Hi, and welcome to another episode of Healthy Distractions, a show with two Marvel fanboys who talk all things Marvel except for when we don't. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. Before we start, the only thing in recent news that I want to bring up is Deadpool 2, the trailer. Thoughts? I love the trailer. Actually, it looks really good. <laughs> I think we, I don't know if we were talking about this on air or if it was up by ourselves, but I don't think we were, either of us were initially like excited for it. Well, it looked, we, it looked like diminished returns. Yeah, but... I am actually kind of excited for it now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump on Twitter's bandwagon where the the gag at the end with the guy Peter, like the random the, guy with the mustache. Amazing. It's like, that's, I'm wholly, wholly, wholly invested in what happens to that man. Me too. Peter. He's he's my, he's one of the new best superheroes out there. Yes. Let's see. wait for him to get adapted into that's, the MCU. That's the spinoff I want. <laughs> Speaking of, by the way, apparently Comcast bid more for uh 21st century fox's assets than disney no shit i think it was i was reading it was a 16 percent more bid on comicmovie.com really because the rumor because there was another rumor about how that they'll do the new those two new mutant movies uh new mutants and uh, dark phoenix and then they're done with that and then it'll be folded into mcu but i guess maybe i mean once again that was just a rumor so we'll see what happens with that Wow, that kind of throws a wrench into our hopes for Fantastic Four and X-Men. Once again, you keep using the word R. <laughs> Sorry, your. Comcast is probably going for a uh, similar deal to what Sony has with Spider-Man. Let Marvel make the movies and just collect. That's annoying. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty annoying. <laughs> yeah, it is. But whatever. Because Marvel probably will be like, well, we don't want x-men or fantastic four back right now or nor do, nor do they need them nor do they need them but anyways jeremy now that you've gotten us off topic what are we actually talking about today today we're going to talk about the forgotten stepchild of marvel Cin- cinematic universe the incredible hulk starring edward norton directed by louis Ledier. oh wait it wasn't eric banna anyways <laughs> anyways before we jump into infinity war next week which is going to be the biggest thing ever in the history of the ever and the universe we want to revisit a more quieter chapter of the MCU, which is The Incredible Hulk, which is a film that's often forgotten and lost in the conversation, but I think is very important when we talk about where the MCU came to today. Yeah, and I was actually pretty excited to talk about the Hulk. We're going to have a lot more to say, and I, I know you have a lot more to say just in general about how it fits into the MCU and the tone of this movie and how it's a lot different than Iron Man. I actually really like this movie. I know we put out a ranking a little while ago, and it wasn't that high on my list, but it is one of the better Marvel movies, and it has been, and it still holds its ground. A few of the reasons why I like it is it's subtle and not subtle about, one, introducing a lot of new characters. So we see, you know, Samson, we see the leader, we have uh, Abomination, we have General Thunderbolt Ross. And we have Bruce Banner and Liv Tyler's character, Betty Ross. So it introduces a lot of these characters, but it, it never makes it feel crowded. Secondly, one of the best things that I think they did for this movie, they took their time finally showing us Hulk. And I relate this somewhat back to The Dark Knight. I don't, this is not nearly as good as The Dark Knight. I will concede that. But in The Dark Knight, Chris Nolan. We never we don't see two faces second half of his face until the very end, 
it's hidden in the and even then it's hidden in the shadows it's hidden in the dark and they do a good job of actually like showing the face but only giving us enough and i thought the incredible hulk did a really good job with this for hulk up until almost the final or up until the scene where he's exposed at the university it's a slow reveal it's a slow reveal so i really did appreciate that and then of course you had a few avengers uh teasers like stark industries and robert downey jr Everyone thought Thor's light or the lightning that came down and stopped them from chasing Hulk. You know, that was Thor. In a delayed scene, uh, Hulk goes to Antarctica and like punches a iceberg thing. You can see, and you Captain, see America Captain America's America Shield, Shield, which thankfully was deleted. Agreed. Uh, so overall, I just as a as a fan, I love that character. Um, I would love to see Mark Ruffalo get his own movie, but honestly, I don't think the character really needs or can hold its own in a solo movie and that being said uh we can jump into everything else that we wanted to talk about so i don't know where you wanted to start us i just want to talk about something that i've noticed recently where when people talk about revisiting the mcu and ranking the movies and etc etc the incredible hulk seems to like to be forgotten in the conversation 2008 was iron man and incredible hulk and without those two movies we would not have the mcu so that always sort of baffles me. Iron Man 2, I think, I forgot, I can't remember my, I can't recall my exact rankings, but I would say it's probably their worst movie. Simply because it would, it learned all the wrong lessons of a shared universe and coasted by its actor's charisma without, without, without actually telling a story. Whereas Incredible Hulk was sort of, if you had Iron Man on one side of a spectrum, Incredible Hulk was on the other side in terms of tone and how to actually approach these characters. And so I think it actually was very important going forward, but because it didn't resonate quite as well with the critics and financially, because Edward Norton had to be Edward Norton and fucking piss off the entire production crew yeah. and get kicked off being Hulk, they sort of just retconned and forgot about it. But I think it's still a movie that's worth revisiting and still has a lot of value to it. And to your point about them being on the opposite sides of the pe- spectrum, I think one of the reasons why it's forgotten is the MCU has gone in the direction of how Iron Man 1 was. A lot of the movies follow the same structure, the same format of that original Iron Man. And it was almost like Hulk and Iron Man were so different that they were trying to figure out which direction they wanted to take the future of their movies. But on, on that note, they did a lot of things really well in this movie. Like that, when we saw, I remember when we saw Hulk in this movie... The CGI was amazing. Like he looked just like a huge dude. That you saw the muscles on his back and you the detail of everything there. They've actually gone away from a lot of that detail in some of the newer ones, which I don't care. But it's just something cool and noteworthy to I think call out about that movie. And you're right. You know Edward Norton pissed everyone off, and he had a great opportunity here, and he was fine. I am glad though that Mark Ruffalo is there now. I think he's way more captivating and just fun to watch. And this is all speculation with The Incredible Hulk. Because I think at that at that time, Marvel, MCU, and, and Kevin Feige, and I, I don't know what they were planning or what they intended or where they, how far they thought they could all go. It just feels like Incredible Hulk and Iron Man, they were sort of just throwing darts at a board to see what stuck. With Iron Man, they hit the bullseye. And Hulk wasn't too off target, but didn't resonate as, as much as Iron Man. I think it's a t- it's also a timing issue where if this had come out first, it would have received higher praises because it's a it's a, it's a very fun, entertaining movie, first and foremost. It definitely does a great service to the character. But then 
if you had that as the appetizer, then Iron Man as the main course or main course, main dish, you you still would have had the MCU as it as it exists, and then Iron or Incredible Hulk would have held in higher regard than it is now. And I think it also unfortunately takes a hit because it came out so soon after Eric Bana's Hulk, which was just an absolutely awful movie. No no fault on Eric Bana. It was just from a story perspective, from a CGI perspective, from an everything perspective minus Jennifer Connelly, it was awful. And even she was really bad in it, but I love Jennifer Connelly, so We all we all we all love Jennifer Connelly. I think the problem also with that first Hulk movie, I mean there's many problems with that movie, but the but the dilemma that the makers of Incredible Hulk faced was uh, overcompensation where they put, clearly they had the latitude to not make the exact same movie, they could take their own direction. But for that third act they had to have a smash up between two monsters. That's what you have to have. And I mean with the exception of maybe Pacific Rim and Gamble Del Toro, it's hard to have a full on CGI smash up be compelling or be completely engaging to an audience. It's fun to watch. But my biggest problem or my really my only like fatal flaw for that movie it's not fatal, excuse me. But my flaw for that movie was the fact that uh, Tim Roth, who does an incredible job up to that point, when he finally becomes the abomination, it's just it's just a, it's such a quick transition that it just seems they're doing it in service of Ooh, we have to have a third act smash up battle, and it also fits in with the stereotype of Marvel movies where you have a third act uh, battle with a villain who's the exact opposite of the hero. Iron Man did this, Ant Man did this. Um, there's many more examples, but it, this was one of those this this is one of those movies that falls victim to that. That's I think that's a fair point too, and. Honestly, the only problem is I don't know where where else they could have gone with the third act. I feel like they almost had to do it. What do you do in that situation when you have Hulk? Unless he's off planet or anything like that, what do you do? Can I give you an alternative? Yeah, please. My alternative was basically you find out that Tim Roth was poisoned inadvertently um, from radiation for whatever reason, and you see him slowly turning, and he's begging... Edward Norton or Thunderbolt Ross to kill him because he's like, I'm in pain and I'm going to turn something really bad. And it's sort of, then at that point, <clears throat> at that point, Hulk feels conflicted. He's just like, this guy clearly didn't, he's a victim of his own circumstance and he didn't want this to happen to him. And so then that adds to the battle where he loses, where Tim Roth's character loses control. It's like, no, please just kill me before I turn to a monster. And Hulk hesitates. He turns to a monster. They fight. And then there's like a sadness to it. And then Hulk can almost... It's sort of like Logan, where Hulk sees in, in Tam Roth's character, well, this is what I could have been, and I have an opportunity to be different, and that would be a great tie-in to the end of the film when it's Edward Norton um, doing his breathing exercises and sort of embracing the monster inside. And I think that would have been a better alternative. Before I forget, can I just bring up one other thing that also really bothered me? It's, it's not the movie's fault. It's what the movie excludes, and this is more the MCU's fault. At the end of the movie, Abomination is knocked out. But my question was always like, you know, what happened to the Abomination? Yeah. Like, did they put him in prison? Like, well, like, how do they actually contain that power? And I thought at that point, that would be, that would have been a great opportunity for Sam Jackson or even just Coulson to like that's just a walk in, walk in off stage, walk in just like we'll take care of it. And it would, it would in two seconds that would have solved that problem in the back of my head, and it also would have like fit thematically within like with what they're doing with Shield and tie, trying to tie it all together. You know what's funny? You bring that up. I actually, there was a little, little piece of me that thought in Civil War, when they were going to the prison, we were going to see just a quick glimpse of Abomination. I don't know why, 
but I thought it was almost going to be like a throwback or like a, hey, that movie still exists, exists and we're proud of it moment. I actually thought that was going to happen, but it didn't. But you're right. That is one thing that I'm just like, well, what happened in general? I mean, you've, you, like you said earlier, they had to retcon this whole thing, except for Thunderbolt Ross. What happened to Betty Ross and what happened to Abomination? Those are two pressing questions that I'm kind of curious because it's not like they've completely retconned it. In the first Avengers, Mark Ruffalo's character is seen saying, well, last time I turned into the Hulk, I destroyed Harlem. So they didn't completely forget the movie, but they feel they've taken away some pieces of it that I'm actually still kind of curious about. And it's not... I'm not curious about it because I'm like, oh, they're not doing that movie, The Incredible Hulk, justice, or they're not giving it enough credit. I actually think it would be cool just to see Abomination come into the the sphere of what is now the MCU. But that's a little bit off topic. I understand why it doesn't fit tonally and why they have kind of ignored it, but it would be nice to get an answer to those questions. I think, I think also for the MCU and what they were doing with that character is... The reason, like another reason that the Incredible Hulk is forgotten is if you look into, at the first Avengers, if you had never seen the Incredible Hulk, would the first Avengers still make sense to you? To, to answer my own question, I would say yes, where they do a good job of introducing Bruce Banner and, and using the, the audience's general knowledge of that character to introduce him to a wider audience. Agreed. They're sort of like, well, this didn't really work. So and it's like to their, to their uh, philosophy, this didn't really work quite as well as Iron Man or in general. So let's just ignore it and forge forward and do something different. That's almost like a microcosm of what the DC should be, where this it was, this obviously isn't working. So let's change course and we can acknowledge it, but like let's actually make that hard decision. And they did that by hiring Mark Ruffalo instead of trying to double down. Like, well, for consistency, we still need Edward Norton. No, no, no. So don't continue to hire Zack Snyder and have him direct your films? Is that... Let's, that let's try to stay on top of here. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to bait you. I'm I know. sorry. No, no, no. No, I, I do agree. And actually, we didn't, we, haven't, we didn't talk about this before the recording, so I'm kind of throwing you under the bus here. But why do you think they chose Incredible Hulk as their second movie? Like, why did you think they did... They started with Iron Man and Incredible Hulk rather than doing Iron Man and cap or thor or you know something else that wasn't hulk i feel it's like and i don't watch sports so this is a terrible analogy but it's like doing a fastball than doing like a safe pitch where iron man to me was a fastball where he was a b-level character at that moment in time in 2008 you kind of knew about iron man in the back of your head even even for me a comic book fan i never read an iron man comic but i knew of iron man they so then that gave the liberty to to do an iron man film with fucking robert Downey jr <laughs> who changed the game, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he set a completely different tone for not just the MCU, but for all superhero movies in that regard. And it was a huge um, splash that really shook things up. And they're like, okay, well, we, went, we, we need to have another property out here as well. So maybe it was for financial reasons or whatever reasons. But then the next logical character would be the Hulk. Like, let's have a safe character. The Hulk who... I mean, based on their toy sales, Hulk is their most popular character. I mean, this is the thing also... I actually wrote a paper on this, I remembered. Really? Yes, about the MCU and, and moving forward. Where when, wait, Can I ask when you wrote this paper? This, is, this was in 2008. This is, this oh, is, no I, this is for a business class. Wow. Um, just because I'm a superhero fan and, and I saw what Marvel was doing. 
the biggest thing, like their their biggest um, source of income at them at that moment for Marvel Comics or the Marvel Corporation, I don't know how it's entirely structured, but was toys, and Hulk was their most consistently popular toy. The Hulk hands and the Hulk action figures, for whatever reason, that really? was a big, a big popular toy. So in terms of like recognition and, and global brand and identifying with this character, they're like, okay, Iron Man, that, that that's a risk, and then that's a hail mary. It paid off. Rightfully so. It was a calculated risk because they had the right cast and crew. And then with Hulk, it's like, well, this is a recognized brand, so we can play a little safer with this. Gotcha. And that's where we get that final result. And I think that's why it makes more sense. And also, with those two movies, they do a very good job of planting the seeds of curiosity for a shared universe. Where you have Nick Fury's famous, really at this point, like iconic introduction in Iron Man, mentioning the Avengers Initiative. And so that plants the seed in every audience's mind that every installment's going to be leading up to something big. Yeah. That makes total sense. And it's kind of crazy that you wrote a paper on this, like, when it first started. <laughs> you fucking nerd. I, I was a nerd. I mean, because I remember that Marvel, going back to, like, the 90s, they were in dire straits. Like, the comics weren't selling well. They were, like, near bankruptcy. And these films are sort of, like, once again, it's sort of a miracle these movies even happen because Iron Man, Hulk, like, these scripts have been floating around forever. So the fact that we got what we got is uh, miraculous. And the fact that it's now led up to Infinity War is, once again, a drop in the bucket. Like, who would have thought, not drop in the bucket, but who would have thought we, we would have gotten this film? Um, not to get too off topic. It's also sort of like, you know, you can't do anything worse than the first Hulk movie. Yeah. And that first movie... I remember seeing. I mean, I remember being very excited for it, and then just being confused by it. Yeah. Because it's like I can. I and now that like I've had time to think about it, and I'm a little older, like reflecting on that first Hulk movie, it kind of makes sense. That excuse me, I understand what the director was going for, but it was completely misguided. Agreed. It's trying to do this this, this whole um, Freudian psychological drama with the Hulk template. And I could be misstating facts here, but for some reason I remember talking about this. Fake news. <laughs> I remember talking about this fake news a while ago, and you can maybe hopefully confirm, but, you know, back when Hulk, or Incredible Hulk first came out, the opening weekend wasn't very good at all, but I think it trended well as more people saw it and more people were talking about it. Does that ring a bell? Like, I feel like it did better after the opening weekend, after people had time to see it. It did good, but not great. And unfortunately, it ended up grossing like slightly more than the first Hulk movie, mm. and where they, that's when they kind of wrote it off. It ties into thematically what we've talked about before with Hulk, where he he's not a good character to carry his own solo movies, but he works great in the team dynamic. Um, whether that's the Avengers or just doing a Thor spinoff movie, and so that's why I feel like they've taken they've they felt they haven't felt beholden to like to adhere to that first Hulk movie to, or to adhere to the Incredible Hulk with every time you see him in the installments. You actually just brought up what I was going to ask you next, which we both said on this episode, but I guess we probably won't see another solo Hulk, Hulk movie, at least for a while, I'm guessing, right? Well, and this could be a good lead-in for the next topic we want, we want to tackle after Infinity War, but we have to see how Infinity War plays out, and I know that's that's a complete cop-out for anything, any answer. <laughs> But I, I think they're doing a very uh, definitive end to his character arc for this movie, for Infinity War and for Avengers 4. Yeah, so seems that way. I think that would be the end of Bruce Banner, but not the end of the Hulk. 
And so I think they can still carry on that legacy with She-Hulk, Jessica Walters, who they just relaunched Avengers number one. I forgot who's writing it. But they're, they're relaunching Avengers, and She-Hulk is part of the team, and she's a great character. There's actually, I'd recommend, there's two series. One's called She-Hulk, written by Charles Soule, which is just her being a lawyer in Hell's Kitchen. It's very down-to-earth, like the Hawkeye series by Matt Fraction. It's really good. And it would be a great template if you were if you ever wanted to adapt it into a movie or TV show. And then um, I forgot her name and I feel embarrassed, but it was just called Hulk, where it, at this point in time, Bruce Banner's dead and Jessica Walters becomes the only Hulk. Mariko something, I can't, it doesn't matter. But it also is for sort of her sort of embracing her more primal rage version of, of the Hulk mythology. They have a lot of avenues to play with this in the future, um, but we'll see. This will be leading into our topic that we probably will talk about in the next episode or two. But She-Hulk as a TV show or as a movie, as a miniseries, what should we get? And I I actually really like the idea of having She-Hulk in the MCU going forward. It's a character that embraces being the Hulk, embraces the power, and really wants to do good with it. How do we want to see it? Hulk doesn't seem to do well in movies but we've seen what Marvel has done with TV shows. So it's, what do we do? Just to, to tease what this, when we actually finally tackle this topic, I think, I was mentioning to you before, there's the Hawkeye series by Matt Fraction, which is really highly regarded, which is basically Hawkeye when he's not being an Avenger. And in, but in the Marvel Comics universe, Hawkeye isn't married, he doesn't have a family. He's more of a sort of a, I don't want to say like fallen Archer character, but he has like that sort of, that sort of bravado of Archer. And he has a single life, and he has, you know, many girl, past girlfriends, and he's living this carefree life. Archer, the TV life. show, not an actual Archer. No, I just, just reali- for those. I just realized the fuck up by, by <laughs> confusing the two. But I think if you could take Hawkeye, the comic book series, and then use it as a template for She-Hulk, then you could have a great TV series. But that's a different topic for a different day. Different day. So, Matt, now that we finally have reconciled your irrational liking of Incredible Hulk. No, love of Incredible Hulk. Let's right. get it right. Your irrational love of Incredible Hulk. Thank you for I Stand Corrected. If you want to uh, share your thoughts with Incredible Hulk with us, you can find us on Twitter at health underscore distract. Email us at healthy distractions podcast at gmail or find our Facebook group, just healthy distractions. Search for that. Please, you know, provide us with some feedback on the podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast by searching Apple Podcasts, Healthy Distractions, or on podcast.com, searching for the same thing. As always, I've been Jeremy. I've been Matt. Later.